Today on Inside the Ropes, we have a last-minute chat with Jed Morgan before he loses his locks for charity, and we learn from Rod Pampling the special secrets that made Tiger Woods such a fearsome opponent. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 161. Uh, this is getting serious. Lovely to have you with us. Jed Morgan about to join us. Rod Pampling, uh, another of our very special guests today. We've got an all-star panel to kick it off today. Mark Hayes, always. Hello, Hayesy. G'day, Murray. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a dud compared to what else you're rolling with here. <laughs> In the Zoom, we've got a couple of absolute heavyweights above you. Uh, Matty Cutler, who uh, has just broken his media silence to be part of Inside the Ropes uh, for the week. How are you? You going well? Well, thank you. I'm well. How are you? Going well, thank you. We'll talk about the uh, replay of that round 21-1995. Carlton West Coast going from Subiaco. A little bit later on in the show, Justin Falconer joins us for a very special first segment. What, are you in the Antarctic, Falconer, are you? What's going on with you? It's starting to feel a bit like that, Andy. It's, uh, it's a bit fresh out here. <laughs> you can go inside at some stage and do the show from in there if you wish. Um, as I said, we've got a big show to go. There's not that much stuff going on around the world of golf, but there's a bit of, bit of stuff here and there that we'll get stuck into on the way through. But I know you blokes have got one of your all-time favourites. I know you take a lot of these young players to your uh, your collective hearts, you fellas, but Jed Morgan joins as a fella. I know that you're all extremely um, affect- have a great affection for. Not for the first <laughs> time he joins us on Inside the Ropes. Jed, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Where are you at the moment? What are you, what are you doing? Just at home, actually. I'm sitting at the out, outside table. Just um, not much at all, really. Did a bit of volunteering this morning, actually, at the home course, just to help out some of the old fellas around the track. So it was um, nice and fun. So, what, did you, what did you do with them? Um... Listen to him talk smack, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a really – we were doing um, – we were repairing some of the roads and paths and stuff, and we had this dirt pile, and we were just shoveling it. And as soon as they were done shoveling, I'd drive over with the, the buggy and just try and flatten it all out. I didn't really do anything. How is the course looking up there? Yeah, it's good. It's um, We had a bit of rain overnight last night, and it was it's uh, nice and damp this morning, so it was real good. But, yeah, both courses, Gowers and RQ are looking real nice, actually. Yeah, mate, I tell you what, isn't looking very good at the moment. And we can see you on the uh, – I know our listeners can't uh, see it, but we can see your hair. And it's looking, <laughs> I guess, fairly adjacent to atrocious in my eyes at the moment. But it's not going to be there much longer. You know what? I don't like this part of you, Hazy, because – Behind closed doors, you tell me how lovely it looks. It's <laughs> <laughs> just because we're on uh, on air that you decide to bag me out, mate. <laughs> I just want to put it on record that I haven't been behind closed doors with you for quite a while, Ted. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, it's getting pretty ordinary. Um, um, so, yeah, that's why it's going, I guess. So tell us what you're doing, mate. I'm shaving it for um, for blood cancer. So it's um, I've got a mate whose mother has uh, leukemia. Um, and I guess it's just something that I could use as a tool to raise a bit of money. Everyone's sort of giving me crap over it for time, obviously all in good spirits, but like it was just something that I could use as a tool to raise a little bit of money. Given the current circumstances, obviously it's not quite going the way that I would have liked or, or could have done for the foundation, but hopefully I'll get over three over $3,000 for it, which is still pretty good, but we'll just have to wait and see what comes in the next two weeks. So when and where is it happening, Jed? I think there was talk about doing it yeah, at one of your home tracks at Royal Queensland, and most importantly, who gets the honour of uh, taking the first uh, big snip? Um, well, Link wanted to do it. I was going to do it at RQ, but I don't know if I'm going to be even be allowed to. They're pretty... Um, heavy with the restrictions at the moment purely because I obviously want to keep the golf course open so I definitely will not be allowed to do it there anymore um, so I could be shaving in my own house really but we'll just have to wait and see but um, there's a few people that want to take the first snip so He was by his side throughout the OZM in January, you had younger brother Lincoln who you just mentioned there on the bag so he's yeah. got the job with the scissors as well <laughs> I'll just have to wait and see well, um, 
I'll test it out and I'll get him to cut a bit of grass before and see how good he is with that and then we'll see. How's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ball going uh, home in, in isolation? You two aren't killing each other yet? <laughs> Mate, it's been actual... Oh, I can't put it into words. <laughs> My parents um, actually own a small, like a five-acre block of land out at Hattonville where I'm from, so they've actually isolated out there with my grandma and they've managed to take him for the weekend. It's been the bloody best week ever. <laughs> <laughs> because he was starting to get on, get on me nerves, so it was, it was good to get a break from the little, little fella. But nah, it's been good. So, Jed, uh, what can you do up in Queensland in terms of practice and uh, what's been your uh, MO in that sense? Because uh, around the country, everyone's got different rules at the moment. What have you been up to? Well, Queensland is a pretty pretty fortunate. Um, obviously, Victoria's obviously shut down golf altogether. Have, I don't know, have they opened it again? Or? Uh, not yet. No. Yeah, so that's obviously not an, like an essential practice in a way. And... Um, Daniel Andrews is obviously a massive golf fan, so that would have been pretty hard for him to do. But in Queensland, like we've been very lucky with the restrictions. Obviously, it's pretty similar throughout the country, but obviously we're still allowed to play golf. So nothing really has changed a whole lot um, from my sense. I'm still practicing uh, a little bit more casually now than obviously what I would be doing if I was preparing for upcoming stuff this time of the year. Um, but, yeah, still got a part-time job doing about 20 hours a week there and um, doing about another 25 hours a week as practice as well. So it's, it's a little bit more casual. So it doesn't really stress me if I miss a day here or there. And um, But we've, ob- we've obviously stopped associating with the QIS as well at the moment. So the gym side of things has fallen a little bit, but our trainer's done a really good job in keeping us in the loop and making sure we're keeping on top of our bodies because it's a very, very easy time to just say, bugger it, I don't want to continue to put so much strain on your mind to do it. But it's also an awesome time to like to try a few different things and put yourself in different situations that you, would, um, that you wouldn't previously be in because of some reason. But, yeah, it's good. It probably didn't come at a good time for many golfers out there, this long layoff, but did it come at a particularly bad time for you? Because obviously you played so well at the Am, and then the top 10 of the Vic Open probably about three weeks later. Did it yeah. feel like you're sort of coming on leaps and bounds and now you've been halted a bit, or is it nice to have a bit of a break? So- um, when it got to the SA Classic, I was going to have a couple of weeks off um, after that, but I was really excited to play that because it's just one of our favourite events we get to play an awesome track down there and then I felt myself getting a bit tired then so I was like alright I'll have a couple of weeks off and then get back into it before I go overseas but it kind of has halted everything a little bit um, I had like some pretty awesome plans to go overseas and really I was at a pretty good spot with um, my game I guess to try and test against those the two previous trips I had were like pretty important learning experiences but um this one, I was really feeling like I've, like I had improved and I was ready to go. And but, I guess it's all happening for a reason. Everyone, it's obviously some shock and reason that it's happening right now. But I think everyone will come out hopefully better off. Realise that there's, like there's obviously some more important things obviously happening and gives you a bit more time to realise some little important things that everyone seems to put off and stuff. So, but yeah. Jed, you know, the first time, this is, we figured the third time you've been on Inside the Ropes, and the first couple of times was around a series of victories you had as a, I don't know, how do we describe you, but an emerging junior. And now yeah. you've pu- pushed up through that, and you've, you know, not that they were tough years at all for you, I'm sure, but you've gone from the elite of the junior to the elite of the amateur. Yeah. What did you learn to take that step, and can you put it into play when you do take the plunge, which I'm assuming will come sometime in the next 18 months, two years? Yeah. Uh, tough one because I just like it's a difficult thing because I'd never know I didn't even know when it was coming. Like when I had a fair bit of success towards my junior end of my junior career, I guess. I didn't even know that was coming. That just hit me with a like just hit me as a freight train sort of thing. I just feel like I improved so quickly and then but I had I had done the background work to do it, but all of a sudden it just hit me all that 
like the four times that I'd won and then I was just like and then it disappeared for about like 18 months I guess and two years and you sort of go through a few phases to figure a few things out and you start to question a few things I guess and then the Australian Amateur and Vic Open and all that after that just come out of nowhere as well I didn't even know I was capable it's pretty funny to think about I've just I continue to look back on it. It's awesome some of the media things that Justin's done for that because it just gave me because I don't have social media, so it gave me the opportunity to watch a lot of the stuff back, and it's um it's pretty cool because you have no idea when that stuff top stuff's going to happen. I had no idea that I was able to do it. My home club, um, that's the first time my family's ever watched me um, win something like that, and my, like my whole family was there. It was just so special. But in terms of knowing what I'm going to do when I turn professional, no idea because like it just, I have my structures and I have my people in place that I know I'm going to definitely listen to when it gets hard um, because it most likely will. But just sort of, it's almost it's not trial and error. You also have your plan. You have your plan. Who you are as a person, how you're going to go into it. But what you're going to be hit with is a completely different story, I guess, for everyone else. So. You've got to listen to people. When that moment turn, arrives, Jed, will, do you reckon you'll know or will you be guided by um, people around you saying, now's the right time? Yeah. What's it going to take, do you think? I think it takes both. I've, I've actually been asking the question quite a little bit with, with a few coaches that I work closely with. Obviously, my personal um, coach, Chris Gibson, and then like I talk a lot with my parents because they understand – like they don't my, my father played golf but they understand what it takes I guess to be successful at things um, and they're definitely the people I listen to the most in that respect mum and dad and then yeah my coach Chris um, Tony Meyer uh, I work very closely with my psychologist Jonah um, and even Grant as well so I guess most of my success I can credit to all those guys um, and um, yeah even our physio Josh trainer Geordie so it's just like I have been asking the question a little bit as of late I've stopped asking it now at the moment obviously because I feel like it's going to be pushed back probably six months um, purely because it's six months of competition that I wouldn't have had so um, but yeah just continue to ask the question I feel like this is where it needs to come from and I, and I need to obviously feel like I want to play the game for a living and play it for for the rest of my life, so a long time, yeah, exactly. It is, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, there's a bit to go. Uh, obviously, some water to flow under the bridge, and it's stalled for a little while, but um, we're all around this table excited to see what's going to come next, mate. So, will the hair come back? I mean, I, I, I disagree with Hazy, I, I reckon it's I reckon it's a strong look, uh, <laughs> and that's coming from somebody who's clearly challenged in that area, yeah. Will it come back, do you reckon, or not? Bloody oath, it will, good man. There's no was... chance I can um, – ever since I signed up for it, I think I started loving my hair more and more. So <laughs> <laughs> it's is something it, that it, I definitely it... don't regret doing at all, but um, I'm going to miss it because I, I love my hair. So, <laughs> Has it worked for you socially, Jed? Um, I have actually managed to get myself a girlfriend, so it must have worked <laughs> somehow. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, um, yeah – been with her for about a month and a half now, so it's worked somehow. Yeah. Jed, <laughs> is I it, uh, in my head because I'll um, I'll be pretty scared that. Yeah. Is it a? Uh, is That's, it a? Just wait. Is that as the uh, as the one oh seven to Frankston rattles by your backyard? So it's gone. <laughs> so we can hear you now, mate. So far away. My, my apologies. I've been on mute the majority of the time. It's the busiest, <laughs> busiest line in Melbourne now that I'm out here. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, Jed, is the uh, luscious moustache going as well, or are you going to keep that? Um, I'm keeping that. It's uh, just as long as it gets a bit more colour to it, I'll, I'll keep it. But I, I reckon. I don't colour. reckon <laughs> colour's not the only thing that's challenging. <laughs> Bit of volume. <laughs> you know, some people say that they only can see it in the right light, but I just think they're odd, bad. <laughs> I reckon it's a real, you've got a real Hemsworth look going at the moment, Jed, and whatever you're doing, I reckon you want to hang, you want to hang on to that. <laughs> Jed, give us, uh, 
Jed, give us one last rundown of how people can get in behind you and donate and really give to a cause. It's very close to all our hearts. Yeah, so it's just on the World's Greatest Shave website. Obviously, Golf Australia's posted a few links. I've had a lot of help from Justin, so he's um, done awesome jobs, helped me promote it because I'd be hopeless at it. But, yeah, you just jump on the page and chuck in as much as you want to chuck in. Ten bucks is enough. I don't expect anything more than everyone. Like, if I just get another... 100 people to chuck in $10, it'd be awesome. That's another 1000 bucks to go towards it. So that's not, it's, um, yeah, it's just pretty simple. So get online and do it. You're a good man. Um, Very all good the best with everything, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. No, I appreciate it. Um, it was awesome to talk to you guys again. I hope I'll see you all soon. So look after yourself. Good on you. Good man. Jed Morgan joining us on Inside the Ropes. Uh, always great to catch up with one of the really decent young fellows of Australian golf. Uh, we'll get a break out of the way. When we come back, Rod Pamplett going to join us. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Great to have you with us uh, for EPS 161. It's a special one for us. We're really lucky to be joined by one of the great professionals of Australian golf. Um, you've been doing it for a long time now. I reckon he's still got some uh, good days ahead of him. Rod Pampling is a yes. voice and a name and a face well known to all, and he joins us. Rod, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. No problem. Glad to be here. We're, so let's get the, the, the nuts and bolts out of the way. You, you're back at home, I take it? Uh, yeah, so obviously, yeah, just at home, and uh, we're actually down in Florida at the moment, so we got kind of lucky in a way uh, for golf, because we came down here for a spring break, um, and we, we were down here for the week, and then uh, obviously it all broke loose with the uh, coronavirus, and the, the kids were stopped from school, so we decided to stay here uh, just to see what was going to happen, and it um, obviously it's still ongoing, and Schools are out. You know, the kids don't go back till school at this stage until August because they finish end of May here mm. for their year and then they'll have their, like, their, their summer break, I guess. Yep. So, yeah, we're just down here and in Florida, the golf is still allowed. Um, so, yeah, I'm out. Uh, you know, the kids have got their homeschooling and just still doing a very good job of that. <laughs> I'm not quite a good teacher, <laughs> but uh, Andrew's doing that, and we, um, yeah, we get to play golf, and uh, yeah, it, it's just, and plus the weather's been so much better here than Dallas. Right, this time of the year has been pretty wet and cold. Where, um, hate to say it, but it's been, I'd say, uh, early twenties for the last six weeks here, and just full sunshine. It's been gorgeous. No need to rub that in. So, so but, but for um, kind of tournament play for you, your yep. life is pretty much going on um, as, as it would. Pretty close. You know, we haven't really uh, had too many uh, interruptions. Obviously, the kids are at home here with the homeschooling, but uh, still being able to, uh, say, play golf. Uh, we can sneak out and fish every now and again because uh, we're, we're kind of right on one of the beaches here and they've been shut down. But uh, as of May 1, they're going to reopen it up again. Um, obviously, just keeping your distance from people and all that. But it's um, it's a pretty big open beach here. We're kind of very we're very lucky. It's kind of like, I guess, Gold Coast about 30 years ago. A couple of high rises, but the beach just goes for... It's 40, 50 miles of just pure sand. It's It's a... It's a fun, phenomenal little spot we found here. It's uh, right on like west coast of Florida, right under in Destin, Florida. It's a it's a little secret gem. Oh, that sounds bloody magnificent. Uh, you might get oh, three, yeah. you might get three bikes coming over. To, oh, not that we can fly anywhere, so you, you're safe from us no. knocking on your door and stuff. No, and it's and it's one of those spots too. It hasn't been affected too much. Like obviously, there's some cases around here, but um, back in Dallas, where we normally live, there's a lot more cases. So. We've um, been very lucky, and we're just in a nice little bubble here. So, what? What other than so? You, other than playing, you, you're ticking along normally. What? What would you be doing? What? What would be added to your world right now uh, from a timeline perspective? Is it just? Is it just playing a couple of tournaments, rolling around, and following the tour? Yeah. Yep. Basically, yeah. yeah. So it, that's that's the biggest difference. Obviously, is not playing golf. Um, obviously, we're in the same boat as a lot of people with no income coming in. So. Um, you know, you're just a little bit more careful with what you're doing and just trying to keep it as low-key as possible. 
But, uh, yeah, just waiting to see. I, I guess, uh, as you guys have known, um, mid-June is when the main tour starts. So from my, our understanding, my understanding is there's going to be four weeks of no spectators, no nothing. So um, I guess the guys on the Champions Tour have just said to us that they're going to have a wait and see uh, how, it, how it goes out there. Um, but, but also for us Championship, like we had the, the British Open, the, the Senior Open and a few others cancel, which would have been right around that end of June, early July mark. So there's, and no one wants to come forward. So that's why we're starting hopefully um, midway through July. And it came up uh, probably at a bad time here, Rod, didn't it? I mean, you were, you'd started the season. Well, I'm in my pretty prime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not very often you get two primes in your career, but I'm, I'm back in my prime again. and I'm, um, I've got the hobbles on. I can't do anything. <laughs> I like that. The 50-year-old in your prime, it's magnificent. Yeah, um, no. oh, it's one of the great joys of this game. It's, it's pretty amazing, the... Uh, ups and downs of it but to be back on a, another high again it's just uh, you know but everyone's in the same boat so it's just uh you know it's disappointing but we have to do what we have to do it was only a couple of minutes ago when you won that tournament in you know was it the shriners maybe was it las vegas yeah um you know it, it just seems like yesterday so you know you were still mixing oh. it with a big bloke so you do have an advantage here oh absolutely yeah and I, and the game feels good you know I, i'm happy with the game it's 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 such a different atmosphere going to the championship because the the um, you're not worried about distance anymore so you know for the last couple of years and i know i didn't perform well but i was on the tee just feeling like i had to smash every tee shot just to be somewhere near them and you know in hindsight it shouldn't have been like that i should have just been playing my own game Whereas now it's back to that, you know, we just get up and, and I'm not trying to smash the ball. I don't have to because I'm back up in the, I guess, top 10% of distance. So it just takes away that pressure and you get to play just, it's fun. It's fun golf again. It really is. It's the game is fun again, which is great. Is it, is it really social? Cause you're a social sort of a bloke. Do you enjoy that side of it? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, you know, you'd be playing on the main tour and, and a lot of the young guys are pretty good. But you'd get out there and, you know, they're, and totally understandable, they're, they're at their situation where they're working hard and they've got some old guy chewing their ear off. <laughs> it, um, they're kind of like, who is this guy? <laughs> but, you know, it's just a different part of your, your careers. And, and it's, um, but it's, it's, as I say, it's definitely is a lot more fun to get out and have a chat. Uh, plus, I know, I'd say 95% of the guys, whereas it was getting to the stage where you know 5%. Mm. You know, it's so uh, so many young guys getting into the game now. Uh, the game is so strong with the the younger generation. Well, I think it's gone down nearly ten years in in age of where your prime is from the when you were thirty to now. It's golly, it's nearly you know, it's it's very early twenties. So, so you know, the, I think the game's just caught up with a lot of other sports where the the younger guys are definitely um, getting better. That's for sure. So you started off well, mate. You've had four cracks yep. at it. And you've had uh, no, you haven't had any missed cuts, obviously, on that tour, but you've finished <laughs> three, <a> <laughs> yeah, three times in the top 20 and including that T3. Is it the Color Guard Classic? Is that where it was, Color Guard? Color Guard, yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Color Guard was good. You're obviously going up, uh, you know, hell, I get to play against Bernard Langer in the last group. It was just, it was phenomenal. And, you know, I, I, I took a lot out, out of that just to, to match it with him and, at the end of the round, he said, you know, that's the best round of golf he's played in, in five years. He, you know, he shot nine under. He said, and he, he, it was good because he said, you know, you really pushed me. He said it was it was fun to have that um, push again. So, and it was good to be there. You know, yes, I didn't finish um, off that well, but uh, it was still, it was, a, it was a good event. So, as I say, I'm just uh, looking forward to getting back there again and, um, you know, try and get a little bit closer than third this time. Rod, you're, uh, you're right on 50, as Hazy said, and uh, you could flip-flop between both tours, such as the level of your, your play. Can you give an indication to us and the listeners, like, say an 8 out of 10 week on the PGA Tour might have you, I don't know, T, T whatever, T20. What would that equivalent level of play do for you on the senior tour? Well, the way I look at like, if I was to play on the main tour, I would have to have... I think three, 
three really good days and the other day would be uh, you know like at 75% and that's when you're a chance they not be a chance to win on the on the scene on the champions tour you know yes you have to have I still think you have to have two good days and the other days are 75 obviously it's only a three rounder but um, you know the guys are still really good on the championship the only difference is I said the difference is it's 25 yards off the tee Mm. You know, you take the guys off the tee. If, I tell you, if you put the champions tour and put them out there 20 yards ahead of the guys in the main tour, the scores, there'd be someone from the main on the champions tour who would win. Um, I would say that if they had their 40 starts, I would say minimum five guys would win. That the year, if they had the 20 yards up, because their iron play is still phenomenal. Yeah. You know, the tipping and putting is still good. Uh, the, you know, they always, unfortunately, show a lot of us missing the putts on the on the Champions Tour, but you're still making a lot of putts out there. The, the guys are still really good. Would the person who would likely win in that scenario, would his initials be Bernard Langer? That'd be a pretty good chance. He's, um, a, he's a freak show, mate. Like, we just sit and watch him and just he, – he has barely lost yeah. a step here, hasn't he? No, and, it, and it's one of those I find, I've always found interesting that there's something hasn't been written about him. With his career of basically minimum, I think two, possibly three meltdowns with the putter, to reinvent himself three times with the putter is just that alone is impressive. Um, and then to keep the the ball striking as well as he does, and he still gets it out there. You know, he's just a very lucky genetically. His body's solid. You know, I've talked to him a little bit now that he's out on the, on the champions and. Um, yeah, you know, he just does his stretching and his workouts. He's in there every day. Uh, it was quite interesting at the uh, after the Kohler guard. So he wins. I finished third, and I'd already organised for my flights. And so I was down there at 9 o'clock in the morning because we flew early that morning. And I went there and I said, oh, I'm just going to go to the range and just get some grips and all that done. And Bernard's on the range hitting balls. Jeez. Wow. Already there. So <laughs> that's, it's, that's just... He still has a desire. I, I don't know if he's annoyed at his family or not, but he's definitely <laughs> on the road a lot. <laughs> did Did you ever play with him at you know like Huntingdale or anything like that for an Aussie Masters or something when he was you know more no. in his prime? No, no, I didn't get to play with him at, at any time. I, I played with Monty way back in the day um, when he was when he came down, but other than that, no, I never got to play with too many of the. Uh, those guys so it's been a you know it's it's phenomenal to get to play with those guys um who are you know some of the guys you know, obviously bernard's one of the guys you've looked at your whole career it's just an amazing player um you know monty still hits it fine as well he just doesn't putt where he'd want to and then that's why you don't see him up there all the time because he still hits it they still hit it good hey rod hazy mentioned um uh, that win at the Shrine is about four years ago now, I reckon it might have been. You shot yep. 65 in the final round to win that. And and mm-hmm. Brooks Kepka ran second. It was probably just before. Was it? Who came yeah, second? Yeah, that bloke. Yeah, that bloke. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Him, him. In all of the. And you've had so many. Great, <laughs> you've had so many great moments in your career. That, yep. that round, does that round sit, you know, particularly high amongst your personal achievements? Oh, definitely. You know, obviously, the any of the wins have been awesome. Um, obviously, you know, International was great. Uh, Bay Hill was phenomenal to win as well. But to have a 65 in the last round going up against, you know, obviously, Lucas was a major winner as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and, and Brooks, obviously... I always dig him now just to say that that was the motivation for him to become a better player was that the <laughs> old guy beat him. So, yeah, he, uh, we have a, there's a, that's a funny little gift that goes around that I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's, uh, it's quite hysterical where Brooks is basically looking, he, his head turns with this very stern look and I'm walking past just photobombed him like, yeah. So I sent that to him and uh, just to say, yeah, can you stop? coming you know win because when you win my friends send me this to say hey at least brooks you can't brooks can't beat you <laughs> so so you've led me into the another question i had you were um correct me if i'm wrong on the on the ages i've had a guess so you must have been about 34 
when you won the international and about 36 when you won Bay Hill, there or there, give or take. Yeah. So you win, and again, I'm, you win, it's all about money, being a pro golfer, you, you know, you win 900000 when you win the international at 34 and then you win nearly a million when you win Bay Hill. At that stage of your career, how much pressure does that take off you as a pro golfer to get that sort of money in the bank, do smart things with it, invest it wisely, hopefully, and mm-hmm. then and then you know then you can just work on on building after that. How much of a monkey off the back is that for a for a pro golfer? Oh, to, to be honest, yeah, the money's phenomenal. It really is, and there's no there's no way around it. It is amazing, and thankfully. Um, Ange is, is super switched on. We're very similar with our money. We like to invest it and just be very solid with it. But it's the the fact that you've got your card for the extra two years afterwards is the biggest part of being able to plan things. You know, the money is great, but if I have didn't play good for the next two years, and then that stops, and then then you got to work out where where what do you what do you do with yourself afterwards if you haven't kept your tour card. So. You know, I think the money is obviously the money is phenomenal. It really is uh, great, but honestly, you've got to, you can't look at the money as if the bill. It's got to be preparation for the following years after that, and how without changing a lot, how do I just tick a few boxes and just improve half a stroke per round? You don't want the one and two shots per round because it just doesn't happen. I guess it's a it's a really good answer. I guess the question is the freedom that it affords you not to worry, not to worry yep. about you know that and and how, how beneficial that must be for for a professional golfer. You can just that's out of the way for a while. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I can just yeah, go and get better. Out know? of the way for a while, but you should have goals set that keeps you working hard. Mm. So yes, that's a tick off the box. The freedom of yes, I've got two years of golf remaining, but you still have to have other goals set as to do I need to get a little bit fitter? Do I need to putt better? Do I need whatever your goals are, which are, you know, obviously very individual and say, as long as you just keep working on them hard and not throw in the the massive change just because you've won. Unfortunately, we see it quite a bit, not as much anymore, I don't think, but, um, as long as you, you know, you're keeping yourself just working ahead in small increments, that's the key. And just, you know, as long as you see yourself improving, then you know you're on the right path. When something's not going right, then, yes, you have to address it and work out what do I need to do to get better in certain areas. But there's just, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. Obviously, Hazy knows Ange quite well, and um, she keeps me on track very well. I'm very smart, switched on, very disciplined in, in her uh, goal setting as well. So, which is, you know, it's huge, huge part of it is to have, um, you know, both of us working on the same path together. What, what's the, is, has there been a part of the game that's kind of tortured you? Not tortured, if, if it, use another word, if, the, if there's a more appropriate word, but a part no, of the no. game. Yeah. yeah, putting's the one. Yeah, yeah it, right. it drives me insane. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's no way around. It's, it's I know I, I've, I've worked on, you know, I've had the same theory from when I started with Gary Edwin to, when I'm now with Alex Murray over here, it's uh, the ball striking is not an issue. You know, the ball striking is still fine, um, and it's you know working hard on the putting. It's just never ending with the putting. So um, that's why I take my hat off to Bernard Langer. Like he's come out from three horrendous. I, I, I think it's the yips. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but to get out of that and be as mentally strong as he is 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 quite remarkable. But you know. It, Putting, you know, when I say the putting, it's still, it's not bad, but it's just not that one stroke better than a per round. And it only needs to be one or one or one putt less per round. And ugh, it changes <laughs> so much. It doesn't sound like much, but it's a huge, huge amount when it comes down to Sunday afternoon. I'll bet. Right, I want to ask you a couple of questions about the Australian tour. And it, was, it seemed, again, seems like about two minutes ago, but... It was nearly five years ago when you when you um, I know you didn't really do this, but you had a few had a few rums with one of your mates on Saturday night at the Australian. I know you didn't really, but uh, no. but we made a bit of a meal of that the next day. But you you, you came yeah you came out and shot that sixty one, which is 
you know, just an unbelievable course record at the Australian Golf Club. And you told us afterwards that you just had a quick look at a couple of videos. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Uh, with, I, I assume with Gary Edwin about something you did when you were in the early or mid-20s or something, and you tried to get your swing back to that. Do you, is that one of the, you know, there's not many uh, benefits of getting older, but is that one of the benefits of, of you know, being able to have a, an archive of things to fall back on? Oh, do, you, yeah. do you remember oh, that? Bloody big library of videos I've got, which is it's been great. You know, I've always done a lot of video work uh, and the mirror work, so you know it, it's a great. I got into a great habit early on with Gary, and you know, thankfully, it's it's been very similar. Um, we haven't changed a whole lot over the years, so there's just a lot of it comes down to you know feeling. Gary's one of his favourite things is feelings. If you know, if we could cut feelings out of our game, we'd be legends. But because we all have these little feelings of over the left shoulder or into the face or behind your back, as you know, we all have a favourite win where you very rarely hit a bad shot. But um, yeah, you, know, you look at a swing and you go, "Oh wow, that's what I was doing then." And that's for some reason, you know, my memory is awful. But for some reason, you could throw me a swing from 2002 and I could remember how I was feeling there. So that's nice. just the little things that. Um, and as I say, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much for, for golfers to, to pick up on something. And, yeah, absolutely, it's, it helps getting older. We have, as I say, it's a big archive of videos. There's one that was the flat, the, the flat belly videos. <laughs> do, you, do you recall that day when you just had it? Was that the most you've had it on a string in a, you know, on a really tough course? Yeah, you know, obviously you come out of the gates and – um, I, I didn't hit a great tee shot off the first, but it wasn't bad and just got stuck. It was right behind a pine cone. I had the ball, the pine cone, and my club. So I was just like, wow, well, what did you just hit it? Hit it up, um, knocked it on, two putted. And, you know, it's, it's always one of the things whenever I bogey the first, it's always like, well, you know what? There's been a massive amount of great rounds from bogey on one. And, and I knew I was hitting it good. So. And then, you know, on two, you've seen the, the, where those pins are. They, they funnel into spots. And I just hit two was perfect. It rolled down to a few, a few feet. I think I missed it on three. Hit a great shot into four up close. Maxi made a good putt on five. And that's what sort of started it going. And then, um, but after that, there really wasn't that many long putts. I just hit it close. It was just a good, solid ball striking day. And I think I made a good one on uh, 11, which then you know kept it going and then obviously the one on 18 was just uh whatever it was i guess it was meant to be it was just one of those putts as soon as because I, I got to, when i got to the putt when i first marked it i looked at it, i said well if it's left it's going to go right if it's right it's going to go left i said you know if i focus on speed then we'll be fine it'll be somewhere near it and yeah coming you know six foot out i was just like oh my it's just, it's just one of it's you know for whatever reason when those days are on you just you hit it and, and you just know um but yeah that was um even 17 you know that's uh that's a tough hole 17 and i just i was just committed to the tee shot there and just hit that driver that stinger and went it all the way down to a wedge in and i think it was like four or five feet straight up the hill and then um yeah it was interesting waiting on that second shot into 18 because it was I knew I had to hit it really good, but I just, I just, I, I told uh, my cat, I said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk away and just not think about the shot. And, you know, it was one of Angie's tricks just to look at the trees at the top of the trees, just to keep your head up so you can breathe properly. And I just did that. And just when it was my time, like Brendan called me over and then, yeah, just got up and hit a good shot in. And obviously the, uh, yeah, that was even better. Uh, I I love that you've got that recall of it, and it's that's right. What, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I and I'm going to pick on it one more time because you obviously mm -hmm. won the you won the um, 2008 Australian Masters in a playoff. Yeah, that set. You, I mean, that's fantastic, and it gave you a lot of things. But it allowed you the front row seat for for or allowed Tiger Woods the front row seat to play with Rod Pampling, the defending champion, the next year. Exactly. Um, at Kingston Heath, but uh, can you, I mean, that was a day that just, that's in Australian golf folklore as well. Oh, absolutely. And I know, um, and I keep, I know Gary's, uh, Edwin's got a picture at home of, I think it was, 
the, the trouble with kegs is the holes change. So I think it was the ninth hole when we were finishing on, there was the shot from behind with just the massive, because they let the people onto the fairways and there's that, someone's painted that picture of that and it's, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. But yeah, obviously Tiger's just, uh, the, the crowds that he would bring was the stuff that Norman used to bring back in, the, in, in his day. And to be in the middle of that with, uh, with Paz, was great, you know, easy to get on with. And uh, thankfully I've had a good rapport with Stevie Williams and, and Tiger. So it was very relaxing, but it, I tell you, it made, I love the fact that like, I love when there's people around cause it, it's, it's like you have tunnel vision. So the fairways became so tight, but they were so wide because your focus was so good. It was kind of random. You get, I get on Saturday and I was like, Holy shit! There's tea trees around here, isn't it? <laughs> you couldn't see them because you couldn't see them before because there were so many people. So you never even looked at that. So it was Saturday was as the hardest round because you could see all uh, the crap again, which is uh, you know, if you get in there, you're just in trouble. So um, yeah, it was just uh, it was great. Uh, obviously, you know, him winning it was it was huge for golf for him to come back down. And you know, unfortunately, that's when the Everything fell a bit for him uh, off the course. But, uh, yeah, it was just great for Australian golf just to have that, have Tiger come down and play and, and be part of that. was It was awesome. It really so, was. So, Rod, we're all, uh, as sports heads, we're all diving into this you know, Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, Last Dance documentary series that's on at the moment. And Tiger was asked about you know his relationship with Jordan the other day and he sort of spoke about it. And he talks about he recognises that that intense win at all cost thing that Jordan had with him, and and he yeah. sees a lot of, of that in himself. You, you've you've played you know right through the kind of Tiger the Tiger reign. You know, you've been you've been with him and you've seen it. Have you seen anyone on the course? Is it is it true? Have you noticed that kind of iron will, that kind of crazy competitiveness that that Tiger talks about himself as having? It's hard, you know, obviously I'm not as close to the, the young guys as I was Tiger, but I still to this day, like, and I, and I not that it, it changed anything at all, but after, when I saw him, and obviously this is, I get a lot of feedback from working with Ange as well over the years, that you know, I always look at Tiger and, and he would be, his head basically would never turn. It was always square to his shoulders. And if he was to look at anyone, he would always look with his eyes. His eyes would move a little bit left to right, right to left, and that was it. Never the head, the head would never turn. And once he came back, you could see his head was always like he was moving from side to side. And, and that's just, to me, is always allowing a lot too, too much to come in. And that's where he had that tunnel vision was always just his eyes would move basically. And, you know, he'd turn up Thursday and it didn't matter if you play with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he'd just burn you. Not that yeah. he was being rude, but it's just that was him. It was it was he was in work mode, and he knew, you know, who he had to beat, um, and that's just the way he operated. But I played with him a uh, practice round at uh, his event. Uh, I guess it was three years ago. I think it was the one Molinari one up at um, TPC Avenel. It was the first year we were there. We'd left Congressional and. And that's, I just played nine holes with him and, and I just said, look, do you, do you mind? This is, this is what I see, that you just, your head's everywhere. I said, you're allowing so much in because, and he changed too. You know, he's become a little bit more friendly to these guys. Um, but, and it's kind of interesting now, you look now when he's back playing, he really doesn't look around a whole lot again. It's back to, he's just back to his old ways of just really good. And, and I was just, I just laughed when Rory, said to him, you know, I think it was the, was it the 18 or the 19 um, FedEx Cup final? We said, this is what I've always wanted, to go head-to-head against Tiger. And I was just like, no, no, you, you, don't, know, you don't know what you're asking for there. And, you know, it's for whatever reason, it's not that he's does anything right. He just takes away your mojo. You have nothing. And, you know, what's Rory shot four over or something like that? And it's just, it's incredible. And you look at last year's Augusta, how many guys just missed putts coming down the last three or four holes? Why is it all of a sudden? Yeah, uh, you, you can't put your finger on what it is, but Tiger's there, and for whatever reason, I don't know what 
what it is, but he seems to make you miss shit. <laughs> you had a couple of nice weeks at Augusta. Did you feel? Yep. Did you feel comfortable there? Did you feel what your game was well suited to that course? I did. Yeah, I really did, and I was so disappointed with that last in uh, seventeen because I, I just the, the as we're leaving, we're going to the airport and picking up all the bags, and I, my, I did my back in. So I was just trying to get my back. You know, I'd play six holes, have to come in, get my back worked on, and. I just couldn't get it right. And then Friday morning, we were first group out. I think it was like 40, like like 10 or something. It was just, you know, no excuses, but it's just, unfortunately, I guess age. And I just, yeah, I was disappointed because I really enjoy playing there. It's uh, it, it's it's because you've got to play good golf. You've got to hit the ball in the right spots. And, and that's the sort of golf I love to play. So, yeah, I was very disappointed with the last. And, then, and I'm, you know, unfortunately, realistically, the chances are basically... One percent of getting back if I, if I can, but um, you know, so be it. I've had a fun time there, and it's uh, you know, there was a, a few really nice tournaments. How did you feel when Scotty won there? Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, obviously we all want to be the first guy to win there, um, but at least thankfully someone did, and and to to do it the way he did with Leash there, and obviously we all seen Leash's fist pump, and you know, and then just. For whatever reason, you know, you see the pitches and the and the, the rain falling. It's just, uh, nice. I, I don't think there's been a better photos of <laughs> someone winning the trophy at, at any stage. So, yeah, it, it was awesome to see um, to see him win. Or you know, we lived the the heartbreak of Norman for a long time there, and, but fine. Thankfully, someone's uh, had the win, and you know, hopefully, they'll open up the doors to other Aussies coming through. Mate, we'll have to let you go. Uh, we could talk to you all day. I mean, it's a life—it's a great life in golf that you've lived. I don't know whether either of you two have got any last questions, but it's for mine. It's been a joy having you on the show. So good to be there. Thankfully, guys, it's uh, it's awesome to catch up. And please, if you any other times, I know it's uh, looking for things to talk about, whatnot. I'm uh, I'm in the same boat. We just uh, you know, if you just want to do it again, just let me know. We've only scratched the surface, Rod. Uh, I'm sure that Hayes will take you up on that offer. Thanks for being part of it today. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Talk later. Good on you. Rod Rod Pamplin joining us on Inside the Ropes. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, both ends of the Australian male golfing spectrum there. Um, Jed Morgan to kick it off and Rod Pampling. We're, we're lucky, aren't we, I reckon? You know, we've got, we've got good men and women who, who on the front line carry the game forward for us here in Australia. I wish, they, I wish more general sports fans knew more about Australian golfers. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Andy. And, you know, they're always happy to share a tale and stuff. I, I could listen to Rod Pampling talk. Uh, all day. Some of that stuff he said about Tiger when you asked was just next level to me. And you heard him mention Ange there. He didn't really introduce too much. That's his wife, Angela, who's just a, uh, she's one of the best people I've ever met, to be honest. And she's, she's a, a power behind not only him, but a whole heap of other golfers who seek her help with the, the psychology of golf as well. So, yeah. uh, but to hear, you know, you can hear how much she relies on her, not only in, in the, financial side of things but just around getting around the golf courses like imagine having that recall about what she said and how he played it and how he went through that when he's talking about his final shot in on his way to 61 at the australian the detail is just next level it's unbelievable and how his process is to you know to to take himself out of the the buzz that could get in his head she's awesome and they're a great team so news of the week, um, Rod Pampling's kind of tied into uh, the news of the week. If you, and you have to dig pretty hard to find some golfing news around the place these days. But he mentioned um, winning the international in 2004. You know who was runner-up? Here's a trivia question for you, for you fellas. Who was runner-up that week? Mm, I don't know. No. I'm going I'm to go Phil Mickelson. Alex Chaker. Oh, your man. Oh, man. And Alex Chaker has won again this week. So he, he, two year, two weeks ago, we spoke about him playing on the Outlaw Tour and winning over there, win $7,000. Like it's won, you know, over 12 million bucks on the PGA Tour and about 5 million euros on the European Tour. He wins two weeks ago on this thing called the Outlaw Tour. Now there's this thing in Arizona 
It's a complete non-affiliated, privately run tour. This bloke who's involved in Arizona golf course development has thrown together a couple of events that snake along the Colorado and they're getting played over a three or four week period. Don't hold me to the actual actual details. But 78 plays teed up uh, teed it up in this event. The Parker Open. It was a, the town of Parker. They each paid 395 bucks to enter, $7,000 to the winner. It was a $42,000 purse. Alex Chaker was six shots behind um, a bloke called Ed Olsen with six holes to play. He's uh, had a hole in one on the 14th. He's eagled the 16th. He's got into a playoff and won it on the first hole. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's extraordinary, I reckon. I mean, he's probably a class above but um, that field. But still, to, to be playing and digging in and finding a way, and it's a in, in a time where we're bereft of any sort of competitive golf being played, it's a it's an interesting little story, I reckon. It's yeah, very- it just shows. It just shows how much these elite athletes crave competition mm. and and just any opportunity to get out there. And if Ed Olsen isn't the best mini tour name you'll ever come across, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> I've never even heard of Ed. Who is Ed Olsen? Andy, um, I just I reckon you are about a dollar twenty to write the auto or the autobiography, ghost the autobiography of Alex Chaker. Now. Yeah, how many do you reckon we'd sell, Hazy? You're you're the book man. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you'd, you'd be really solid in about or one postcode in Germany and maybe two in the Czech, Czech Republic or wherever he was from previously. With all due respect, Alex, I don't reckon there's going to be a queue at Reading's when we uh, do the book signing. Uh, <laughs> we can shop for a open down here on Ligon Street. I don't reckon they're going to be queuing up to. But, you know, it did get me thinking, this, this non-affiliated tour thing, in this time of um, craving product and content I'm surprised that we haven't got this, they haven't flown down a six camera coverage got some people to sign some medical waivers to get back to work pay them a reasonable quid to go down there and and put this thing on ESPN, somebody would actually pay some money, if you could get another couple of players of some kind of notoriety um, to play in this thing, there is actually, there's probably a, a, a from a from an audience perspective, there's probably some kind of market for this sort of stuff just for the here and now. Uh, I don't reckon there's any doubt about that. We're just we're sitting here watching two blokes, and I don't worry, don't worry. I love darts, but we're sitting here watching two guys throw darts on a, on an iPhone at the moment and taking it all in. You know, it's it is it's quite incredible. So you know, the the there's a lot of buzz now about um, Tiger and Phil playing their second challenge. Uh, I think. They've thrown in a couple of other choppers, any two to, uh, yep. you know, one in particular, a very famous uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs> so he and – who is it? Him and one of the uh, Mannings, isn't it? It's uh, not Eli. Yeah. The good, it's the good Peyton. one. Peyton. Yeah. yeah, the good one, Peyton. So yeah. I think that's coming up uh, during May, another made-for-TV match. I think that I, what I found interesting, and we've already talked a little about Tiger today, but when he was being interviewed about this – uh, he, he came actually out and said that he he's, um, was talking about cricket, his love of cricket. And he says every time he comes to Australia or the Middle East, wherever it's on TV, or he's in the UK for the Open or whatever, that he's right into his cricket. Did you know that? Tiger? Tiger, he loves his cricket. I didn't know that. Right, so let's go around the table. You go first, Matty. If Tiger was a cricketer and not a golfer, what would he be? Ooh. Uh... I reckon he'd be a, a red ball player. He's not a T20 guy. Yeah. Um, oh, he's your rock solid number four. Oh, I reckon. A... In... Yeah, I agree. No, nah, I reckon he's. I reckon he's your dashing number seven, and he's a swing bowler. He's sort of your slower, slightly slower, but Imran Khan sort of style. So early Steve War type days. Yeah, but a more penetrating bowler than he'd be more your Imran Khan because he'd want to get in your grill and get in your face. Yeah, you reckon? Um, yeah, you don't agree? <laughs> no, no. I don't. Th- I don't think he- if he couldn't be the best bowler in the world, I don't think he'd want to bowl. <laughs> it's a fair call. Hey, um, speak. This this is how strapped we are for news at the moment. I was reading a story about. I, I just want to. I, I want 
Jim Nance, right? We love Jim Nance. We all love him. And I've had the very good fortune of meeting Jim Nance once at Augusta, and he's a lovely bloke. And uh, he gave us a lift back to the media compound on the back of his personal buggy, and it was lovely. And he was full of questions. Where are you from? And it was his lovely bloke. Anyway, there's a story on Golf Digest or somewhere this week about um, how he's, he reckons he's got the most demanding stretch of his professional career as a broadcaster coming up. I'm just going to read out what that stretch looks like for you two blokes who do know what a day's hard work looks like. And I want you to tell me whether you'd swap places just for the next eight or nine months with Jim Nance. <laughs> so it's, it starts at the end, towards the end of 2020, right? So early in 2021, he's got football commentary duties starting up. He's got the Masters uh, in November 2020. He's got the Farmers in the 28th. He's got the Super Bowl in February 2021, some PGA Tour event the next week. He's got the NCAA tournament running between sort of late March, early April. He's got the next Masters coming up, uh, obviously, in April 2021. Then he's got a little bit more golf between April and May. And then he's got the PGA Championship May 20. That, that's it. That, for Jim Nance, is the most demanding stretch of his professional life. Got about eight sports events that he's got to get to between uh, November 2020 and May 2021. I, I reckon he can cope. I reckon is, he'll be okay. Is he fitting that in around work? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> That's his work. <laughs> that is work. Yeah, I th- look, he does a he does a massive job. To be honest, with um, with his football coverage is pretty immense. So you know, we we only see bits of it here, but he does. He does a great job on the on the football as well, and he's pretty passionate about it, Andy. So he oh, no. he, he doesn't. I don't know if he's got a sort of a uh, Bruce McAvaney style statistics provider uh, up his sleeve, but I reckon he'd probably use enough of them to employ two or three. The way he goes into it, he's very well researched. So I'll, I'll cut him some slack. Oh no, no, it's sort of hard. I, I think he's as good as they get. Have you? Has he got? It's, it's, it's Nance has got the twelfth hole replica of the twelfth hole. At Augusta in his front yard, hasn't he? Oh, I never knew about that. Oh yeah, no, he's got it. I think he's got the. Have you heard about that cut? Yeah, he does. I, I don't know. I didn't know it was a replica of the twelfth. Um, it's a famous one. Have, the famous path yeah, anyway. I saw uh, it's ninety-five yards, I think, and it's a very, very small green. Um, there's some stuff online you can see. It's a good-looking house. It's a, that, those eight weeks a year must pay well. <laughs> I think he's well remunerated for whatever he does. Um, anything from you two before we get out of here today? I, I'm going to test you whether see whether you've done your homework, Andy, because I know that we went overboard with talking with Rod Pampling. But if you if you had a chance to go through that email that I've been blurbing, oh, no, I didn't. All right, oh, well sorry. that's fine. Well, we're going to get we're going to come back to that. So. Um, Mr. Hassel, I again apologise to you. We, we have got this on the uh, to talk to talk about list, but we haven't quite got there yet. But uh, Joe Hassel's given me an email, and I will. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you've had a chance. I know I've set the same homework to you. Yeah, I did have a quick look at it, and uh, it's certainly a conversation starter. I'll put it that way. How long a yeah. conversation do we need to have? Well, this, is, this is the oh. third podcast in a row that I've flagged that it's coming <laughs> up, Andy. So I think maybe we should get onto it sooner than later. But it, it is—it's a quite an in-depth sort of um, discussion about what you know, a dream really about what could happen. And you talk about um, Jim Nance going through all this busy schedule. I think Joe Joe's trying to figure a way to get Australia more involved in that. So um, I did see a bit of ch- chatter on on um, social media this morning about why can't Australia do something like. Um, you know, what the US is doing with Tiger and Phil and Jim, uh, Peyton Manning and, um, and Tom Brady and just do it with Australians. Um, so you'd have someone suggested uh, Shane Warne, Ricky Ponting and two of the great Australian golfers. And yep. it's, a great, it's a great idea. And I think, you know, we need to, I think collectively as a golf in, um, community, start coming up with some ideas because we're going to have the, the chance to do it with a domestic bunch of people here in the next period because the borders clearly aren't going to open anytime soon. Uh, and, and we've got a chance really to have a free hit at trying something that's funky and might work. And, and as you say, six cameras, something small that can be managed easily and, and you know, made for TV. This, these are the things we've got to look at. So maybe we should get into Joe's, uh, Joe's email on a couple of shows here. The old, the old uh, re, re, um, 
breathe some life into the old pro celebrity golf format. You two are probably too young to remember that, but uh, the old BBC show was an absolute winner when I was growing up. So um, it sounds exactly the older the older people in the audience will know what I'm talking about, and they'll be going, "Yes, please give me a bit more of that." So um, let's have a chat about it next week, shall we? We'll definitely put it on the agenda. Okay, right on. Um, Matty Cutler, good to see you. You too. Thank you for having me. Uh, look after yourself. Try and um, uh, stay busy, and we'll we'll see you when we look at you next, Hazy. Likewise to you. Cheers, Murray. Good to talk to you both, Justin Feldner. Great to have um, Jed Morgan and Rod Pampley on the show today. This has been Inside the Ropes, episode one six one. Back next week to do it all again. <laughs>